0: The Super Bowl is over, so it's time to get down to business. We'll open the 2017 fantasy baseball season with our team previews, next on Baseball HQ Radio.
1: Learn to play the winner's way, because Baseball HQ Radio starts right now. (laughs) And here's your host, from BaseballHQ.com, columnist Patrick Davitt.
0: And welcome to Baseball HQ Radio for Friday, February the 10th. It's show number one of the 2017 fantasy baseball season. I am your host, Patrick Davitt, and we're trying something new this year as we look forward to pitchers and catchers, spring training, the Grapefruit and Cactus Leagues, this season will open the year with two special editions focusing on team previews. We'll bring on all of BaseballHQ.com's team analysts, the guys who monitor all 30 Major League teams and feed information into Baseball HQ's projection engines and news feeds to make sure all the information you get is up to the minute and ready to use. We'll be doing the teams in alphabetical order. Arizona through Miami this week and Milwaukee through Washington next week. That's 30 teams in about two hours, so we'd better get going. Hey, what do you say, we had a rare, exciting Super Bowl, but as we always say around here, it's time to talk some baseball. And to get the show on the road, we head to the desert and the frisky Arizona Diamondbacks. Not much of a record last year, but some big names and some intriguing names for 2017. So let's call on our BaseballHQ.com Arizona team analyst, Rob Carroll. Rob, the Diamondbacks had a pretty tough year last year, and things don't look a whole bunch better this year as they go into 2017. Teams in that situation often have some roster battles to look at. Is that the case with Arizona, and where are those roster battles taking place?
2: Yeah, they sure do, Patrick. Yeah, The the most obvious one is probably the number four and five starters, where we're kind of dealing with a mixture of uh, Patrick Corbin, and Shelby Miller, who was arguably the worst starting pitcher in baseball last year with a 6.5 ERA and 3 and 12. And then we have the uh, prospect over prospect, Archie Bradley, who who had a 5 ERA, but his uh, strikeouts were way up. It's close to a strikeout per inning. So that seems to be the major battle there between the 4 and 5 starters between Granky Walker and Robbie Ray. We also have a little bit of a battle in the middle infield. Um, last year's manager, Chip Hale, did a lot of mix and match in the middle infield. And I'm not too sure how it's going to fold out this year. I think Chris Owings is the presumed starter at center, and he has shortstop outfield eligibility, and he stole 21 bases last year. And then um, offensive wise you take a real dive down to Nick Ahmed, who's really a glove-only guy, who, whose dad is... Wo- woefully weak and particularly a fantasy deficit and then switching over to the other side <clears throat> um you know with the departure of John uh, John Segura to Seattle we think we're going to have Brandon Drury step in at second base and take the bulk of the starts in 2017 and he was really good over the second half he hit 295 and uh, he had uh, um, some nice power and then throwing in the mix is Cattell Marquet, who came over from Seattle. And he was kind of a disappointment last year. He had 11 stolen bases, but his plate skills are really, really weak. He only walked like 4% of the time, so he's got to get on base to exploit his speed. And then we have a little bit of a situation at catcher. We have a lot of journeymen um, headed by Chris Herman. Who had like an out of his gourd year last year, thanks to a 370 batting average against with balls in play. But all that did was raise his lifetime average to 212. And then you have Chris Iannetta and Jeff Mathis, who were just signed in the last month. And all new manager Toya Lovolo talks about with them are their framing skills. So you know that's not fantasy gold there.
0: Which players on this roster do you think look like they might be potential sources of value or profit?
2: Well, the, the most obvious one is Paul Goldschmidt. He's the world standard among first basemen. He, his toe he was a little bit off last year. He had 24 bases and I'm sorry, hit 24 home runs, stole 32 bases. But he's an exceptional talent, so he's about as, as good at his position as anybody. And again, I mentioned Brandon Drury, who's probably going to be the full-time second baseman. He had 16 home runs and 31 doubles last year. Now, he's going to start with third base and outfield eligibility, but he's going to split, squeeze into second. And he'll be a kind of a Logan Forsyth-type player in my view. <laughs> and then on the mound, <clears throat> we have Taiwan Walker, who came over in the Segura trade. He had a very good first half as the was like, below three-and-a-half, he had a uh, four-to-one strikeout-to-walk rate. But then he developed some bone issues in his foot in the second half, and he just wasn't the same pitcher. Well, he's had corrective surgery in December, so it would be interesting to see how he fares over a full year in the desert.
0: Any players on the Diamondbacks that are going to be overvalued and therefore worth avoiding?
2: Well, I think you have to be a little bit careful with A.J. Pollock. As good as a player as he was in 2015, you know, he hit 315 with 20 home runs and close to 40 steals. He was like a $45 player in 2015. Now, last year he struggled. He had elbow and, and groin injuries. He only had 41 at bats. He didn't do much to distinguish himself. The skill was still there. He's still a fine player, but I think if you're looking at 2015 value for him going to 2017, I think he may be uh, overpricing him some.
0: And finally, does the team have any rookies or prospects in the pipeline that might have a fantasy value either coming out of spring training with the big club or maybe partway through the year?
2: Well, Patrick, um, Arizona has one of the weaker farm systems in the majors. Um, the, the, the one position player we've already seen a lot of is Socrates Brito. You know, he's kind of a tool the outfielder, he has some speed and power. But in in over 128 at-bats in the majors, he's only hitting like two eleven. Now, he was a spring training darling two years ago, but he never panned out. But he should see some time in in all three outfield spots, and mostly center field, if I had to guess. Uh, Another guy to keep your eye on is a left-hand pitcher named Anthony Banda. He had a 10-and-6 record between double and triple-A last year, which is really good, and he added some miles an hour to his fastball, and he made some strides with his other pitches. So you could see him in the starting pitcher mix. Uh, maybe not at the beginning of the year, but certainly by midseason, it's a possibility.
0: Okay, Rob, we'll talk again with you a little later. Rob Carroll is the BaseballHQ.com analyst for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now let's head down south to Atlanta. And BaseballHQ.com team analyst, Phil Hertz. Phil As we go into spring training, Atlanta looks like a rebuilding squad. That means usually a lot of roster battles for positions. What should uh, fantasy owners be watching in Braves training camp?
3: Well, actually, Patrick, for a team
4: that is rebuilding, it's remarkably how little competition there is. Um, They've got three outfielders. They've got um, um, a catcher that that they're going to go with. The one area that I think um, could um, generate some interest at the beginning of the year is the battle, uh, which I'm calling a second base, third base battle between Jace Peterson, Sean Rodriguez, and Adonis Garcia. Uh, Peterson um, looks to be penciled in at second base, um, but you know he only really had like uh, six good weeks last year. Sean Rodriguez, who's 31, had a phenomenal season last year, and also had a good one in 14, sandwiched around a bad season in 15. And Adonis Garcia is actually the newest to the Braves, but also, uh, not the newest to the Braves, but one of the newer ones to the Braves, but also one of the oldest, um, really didn't do a whole lot last year. And I'm just guessing that at some point during the year, and we'll get to this a little later, um, Ozzy Albis will be up, and that's going to push those guys around. So I think that's the one battle to see Peterson hold second or um, gets moved around uh, to the outfield as a backup or something like that.
0: Are there any players on this roster who look interesting to you for 2017, whether that's because they're going to be better than even people thought or worse?
4: Well, I think um, Mike Fultoniewicz is, um, I think, prime for a breakout, and if anybody can grab him for a couple of bucks, um, they may get, if not an ace, a really good starting pitcher. Last year, um, in the second half, he was only walking uh, 2.6 batters per inning and striking out 8.4, and he's always had that 100-mile-an-hour pitch. Um, a lot of times last year he seemed to get tired after four or five innings, so if he can fix that stamina with the health, um, he'd, uh, he may be somebody that uh, is underpriced. Uh, on the other side, um, they brought in a bunch of um, veteran pitchers, Jamie Garcia, Jaime Garcia, Bartola Colon, R.J. Dickey. I'd stay away from all of them, particularly until we know how SunTrust Park's going to play.
0: So, you're going to stay away from them. I'm curious what you think about a couple of guys. Uh, Dansby Swanson uh, doesn't look like he's going to be quite the elite shortstop that a lot of people might have expected for fantasy purposes. When we're talking
4: prospects, the good thing about Swanson is I think you can pretty much pencil him in every day at, uh, as your shortstop. On the other hand, you know, if you're looking for that 25-homer, 300 guy, I don't think he's going to be that. He's going to be, I think, more like a 270 guy with maybe 15 homers and some steals. And, once again, that steals are always a question of whether they're going to let you run, and uh, I'm not sure what they're going to do about that. The other guy, of course, they've got is Ozzie Albus, but he's uh, barely 19, and he's only had 222 at at Triple AAA. So I'm not sure how fast they'll bring him up, particularly if they're just treading water like we all expect them to do. You know, one other note about um, the, the Braves is um, I mentioned SunTrust Park. Um, I didn't realize until recently the right field fence is 16 feet high.
0: Oh, so we better be uh, on the lookout for left-handed power hitters down there as well. Uh,
4: yeah, especially left-handed pull hitters. Uh, I, I looked at Freddie Freeman's um, spray chart. And it doesn't look like he hits many right t- down the line, but he could lose a couple of homers um, You know, that don't get up into the uh of course we don't know before we know the, the place to play like someplace like Citizen Banks Park and it won't matter
0: a lot of uh, fantasy websites are touting Julio Tehran despite the uh, lack of run support and the generally poor team as a as a really top flight pitcher who's not getting his due. do you think that'll be priced into his uh, draft status this spring
4: he's sort of been up and down in his career, and I just don't know that he's elite um, and he's often not priced maybe as the in the top tier, but in that second tier. Um, for example, last year, um, you know, his xERA was om- was almost uh, three quarters of a run higher than his regular ERA, which you know tells me that he was getting a good do- good of luck um, over the year.
0: You mentioned Ozzy Albiez as a potential prospect who might have an impact this season. Anybody else?
4: That that's, you know, there's a bunch of young pitchers um, that you know once. They start if they start trading off the um, uh, the veterans could could wind up getting um, in there, um, but they've also you know um, you've got um, Matt Whistler who was in the rotation last year, you've got Aaron Blair who was a bit of a disaster, and then you go down another tier and you've got guys like Sean Newcomb and Lucas Sims and, who you know have had uh, pretty good. Um, Um, resumes as a a minor leaguer or as a prospect, but I'm not sure if the Braves are in it. I think one of the reasons they brought in the vets is they don't really intend to push those guys.
0: All right, Phil, thanks very much for doing this. You'll be back uh, a little later on uh, talking about some other teams that you cover for Baseball HQ. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Patrick.
5: Good to talk
0: to you. Phil Hertz is the BaseballHQ.com team analyst for the Atlanta Braves. Now let's go to Baltimore and BaseballHQ.com team analyst Matt Dodge. Matt, when you look at Orioles training camp, what kind of position battles do you see shaping up?
3: Well, um, there's really not too many big roster battles in Baltimore, but the the key one appears to be left field where um, Hunsu Kim, is the left-handed batting batter and Joey Rickard would be his right-handed platoon partner and neither one of them seems to own it outright yet but there's been some talk about one of them being able to rise during spring training and become the person
0: Neither one of them strikes me as being a really tremendous fantasy baseball asset, although Kim with the right side of the platoon uh, might be a little more intriguing than Joy Rickard, who kind of got off to a decent start last year, but he's a speed guy and they don't run. And Yeah,
3: they don't run. He led the Orioles with four stolen bases last year, Rickard did. So it's not too much fantasy intrigue there. Uh, The other side of that coin is that They could become the leadoff batter, one or the other. Leadoff is still up in the air. Adam Jones hasn't really committed to it or decommitted to it yet after he batted leadoff in 2016. So there could be some additional runs scored perhaps at the top of the Oriole lineup if Kim or Rickard takes it over.
0: You mean if he takes it over full-time? Full-time, yes. Because otherwise they may have a Gary Reneke, John Lowenstein type of thing going on, uh, which was actually very productive for the Orioles, maybe not so much for fantasy owners.
3: It was indeed. Uh, John Lowenstein was one of my wife's favorite players. So.
0: When you look at the Orioles, there's some names on this roster for sure, but sometimes names uh, create a little bit of excessive expectations, which leads to reduced profit or reduced value. Which players on this roster look interesting to you as positive value players, maybe a little underappreciated out there?
3: Well, the, um, the one who I like for positive value this year is new arrival Wellington Castillo, who looks like a top-five American League catcher with the chance to hit 20 home runs or more in, uh, with a home park of Camden Yards. The other one might be Kevin Gausman, poised for a breakout we've, we've thought for the last couple of years, and he really had a strong second-half in terms of his strikeout rate the only worry is is can he keep the ball in the park because if he was giving up a few more home runs in the second half of the year than all would like to see
0: on the flip side of the coin sometimes the bigger names on the roster can create some negative value or some uh, profit reduction shall we say when you look at the orioles do you see anybody who fits that bill
3: i believe jonathan scope is the one who might. Be a disappointment for people looking for a full repeat of 2016. Uh, While the numbers looked really impressive, the home run totals and the batting average, uh, really the home runs and the other counting stats were driven by a doubling of his at-bats. Really his hard contact dropped, his eye is poor, he only walked 3 percent of his plate appearances So to me, that's someone who looks like he may be overvalued in 2017.
0: Let me ask you this. I see Manny Machado is uh, sometimes listed as the top third baseman in baseball, although he's also got shortstop eligibility uh, coming into this year, uh, routinely going in the first round of of straight drafts. And as I mentioned earlier, the Orioles have stopped running. They simply don't steal bases. And without that part of his value, can Manny Machado really be a first-round player?
3: I don't believe Manny Machado is a first-round player because of the loss of stolen bases. Now, in the American League only, where stolen bases are down, uh, that becomes less of an issue. But Machado does not seem to be the first-round guy if you're looking for coverage of all categories.
0: And that's what we are looking for. Typically, does the Orioles organization have any rookies or prospects in the pipeline that might have a fantasy impact, either coming out of spring training with the big club or maybe partway through the year?
3: Well, the, the one who looks like the, the leading candidate at this point is Trey Mancini. Uh, he, his route to playing time looks like a short side of a platoon as uh, filling the DH role or possibly in left field. Uh, when the Orioles sit Seth, sit Seth Smith, say that a few it's times, for you to
0: say, in yeah. <laughs> right
3: field against left-handed batters, put Trumbo out in right field, and that will then open up the spots for Mancini. Uh, his MLEs, his Major League equivalents in the 2017 baseball forecaster for the 2016 season, showed him with 19 home runs and a two fifty five batting average in... 546 at bats with a nice plate approach of 8% walks per plate appearance.
0: That is a good. Good outcome. Major League equivalents, of course, not always perfectly parallel, but they're a pretty good estimate, so we'll be keeping our eyes peeled for Trey Mancini. Uh, Matt, uh, you know, since you're here and the, the um, Red Sox are next, let's just keep going here. Moving on with the Red Sox, they lost David Ortiz. That's the big off-season news, but uh, are there any other position battles that we need to be aware of?
3: The position battle that looks most interesting now might be the second catcher on the roster. Or in fact, all you know—the two catchers on the roster—they have three options: Sandy Leone, Christian Vasquez, and back from injury, Blake Swihart. Swihart is now continued to, or considered to be a catcher again, and only a catcher. And so, there's three catchers that they'd like to get at bats for, but only two spots to put them in. So it will be interesting to see how that one plays out. Leone has the experience. Vasquez came back from his own injury in 2015, so one of the youngsters will likely end up at AAA, Pawtucket, playing all the time until an opening or a change is needed.
0: And none of them hits well enough to be considered for Ortiz's DH spot, I imagine.
3: David Ortiz's DH spot will probably see Hanley Ramirez most of the time, Mitch Moreland some of the time, and... One of the real interesting players for 2017 is Pablo Sandoval.
0: Yeah, Sandoval has been getting a lot of interest. I know when I've been watching around as I do uh, all the various uh, tout magazines and so forth, a lot of people interested in him. When you look at the Boston Red Sox roster, a lot of big names, of course. Is there any uh, hidden value here that not everybody knows about?
3: I think the hidden value is Joe Kelly. Uh, Joe Kelly has... A very nice strikeout rate. He has experience as a starter, so he has arm strength that can go multiple innings. And you know, he might be a forgotten guy in the Boston bullpen when it comes to drafts. And it wouldn't be surprising if he could be a light version of either Dylan Bec- Batansis with the Yankees or Andrew Miller with the Cleveland Indians in terms of multiple inning, high strikeout, no saves, but lots of value for fantasy teams.
0: At the same time, of course, Boston's got a lot of big names, and sometimes those big names tend to come up a little short on the value side because they get bid up very enthusiastically. Are there players on Boston for 2017 you think might be bid up to the point where they cease to have any profit value?
3: Certainly anybody can be be bid up to the point where they are Beyond their profit level. One of the questions would be Chris Sale. You know, Chris Sale comes over with a, you know, a, a high reputation, but there were some chinks in his armor during 2016 where he was not fully outstanding, just very, very good. And those high expectations and being able to slot into Boston where there'll be very high expectations means that, and, and a stronger offense with him. You know he might get bit up speculating on wins, but then the rest of his, you know, his peripherals may disappoint.
0: Mookie Betts uh, was a very successful player last year, well into the forties as far as production value at the BaseballHQ.com count. And uh, I wonder if he gets bit up to near those levels again, can he repeat what he did last year? One of the things
3: that was a surprising um, discovery on Mookie Betts and several other Red Sox batters is that they had a tremendous season which generated many more at bats and plate appearances than might have normally been anticipated. They they outran our projections by as much as ten percent in terms of at bats. So he certainly has the skills and the ability to put up first round like numbers. The question will be will there be a few more nagging days off or perhaps Fewer extra inning games or weights to run up the at-bat count, and those counting numbers could come down just a little bit based on the normalization of plate appearances.
0: Do the Red Sox have any rookies or prospects we should be looking at as potential sources of value, whether they break camp with the big team or maybe come up partway through the year?
3: Well, I'm sure everyone knows about Andrew Benintendi, who is still rookie eligible with only 105 at-bats in 2016 for most leagues. Uh, other than Benintendi, uh guy who looks interesting is Sam Travis, who's a first baseman and uh, had a leg injury that cost him the second half of 2016. But he is a... He's a hard-contact, high-contact hitter. Uh, He's uh, been added to the 40-man roster and is attending spring training with an invite. And he could be, depending on how the Mitch Moreland, Handley Ramirez, Pablo Sandoval situation shakes out at first base, he could find his way to at-bats in the second half uh, once he proves that the knee is fully healed.
0: Okay, Matt, thanks for doing this. We'll have you back a little later on this week's show to talk about the Kansas City Royals. Okie dokie. Thanks, Patrick. Matt Dodge is the BaseballHQ.com team analyst for the Orioles and the Red Sox. Now let's go off to Chicago and the World Series champions, Chicago Cubs and analyst Tom Kephart. Tom, this looks like a very stable team, a very well-established team. Are there any spring training battles fantasy baseball players need to be aware of?
5: More so than roster battles. It's more a question of playing time at several different positions in terms of how the playing time is going to be uh allocated um and the and the playing time splits like for instance a catcher uh the exact playing time split breakdown between Wilson Contreras who was so impressive as a rookie last season after his uh June call up and uh you know the fading veteran Miguel Montero that's, we don't know for sure what the exact split might be there. We also don't know if Kyle Schwarber is, who's returning from injury uh, and is slated to play, and primarily in left field, will get any catching time, and if so, how much. So there's a question there. It's it's not really so much a position battle, and that we can be sure that Contreras will get a majority of the time behind the plate. It's just that could vary quite a bit from maybe slightly more than half the time, up to maybe 80% of the time. Uh, then, speaking of Schwarber, uh, there's also a question of, you know, will he play against all pitching, or will he be rested against left-hand pitching? He did struggle against lefties two years ago as a rookie uh, when he first came up. Um, there's also questions about how much playing time Javier Baez and Jason Hayward will get. The Cubs are so deep that they have uh, sort of more players than they have positions.
0: Which players on the roster, Kep, when you look at it, where do you think the sources of uh, fantasy value are going to be? A lot of big names on this Cubs roster, but not a lot of them are going to go for bargain prices.
5: Right. It's, it's going to be a little challenging to find value. I guess there is the possibility that Contreras could maybe have a breakout season, so it's not necessarily something you can... Fully anticipate, and as I said, there are some uh, playing potential playing time issues there, and also Hayward could rebound and reestablish himself, uh, but that's a risk as well, so there's no clear cut excellent value available here.
0: Yeah, we've been waiting for Hayward for a long time, and I think maybe that ship has sailed. One year, maybe somebody's going to get some value, but uh, I'm certainly not going to be the guy betting on it. Uh, What players on this club do you think might pose some uh, risk as far as achieving the price that they're going to fetch?
5: Javier Baez uh, still has quite a few works uh, in his hitting skills. He's the type of guy with his multi-position eligibility that might go for a little more than he should, people banking on him improving or maybe paying a little more because we're drafting him a little earlier because of that multi-position eligibility because he qualifies at all three of short step, second base, and third base. However, Baez, his production exceeded his skills in 2016, so he seems like the primary candidate here for a little disappointment.
0: And finally, again, it's a very well-established championship-level team. Usually, rookies and prospects have a hard time busting into those kind of rosters. Is there anybody in Chicago's organization who looks like we should be considering, at least, because there might be a midseason impact?
5: Well, there's no prospect, really, uh, coming on. There is a a fifth-starter uh, battle between, uh, the veteran injury prone Brett Anderson and Mike Montgomery, uh, who is trying to make the transition from relief back to starter, uh, after having previously made the transition from starting to relief, uh, he was acquired mid season by the Cubs last year. That's something to keep an eye on and Montgomery could possibly emerge, you know, as someone with some value this season beyond his previous value level. And also Albert Almora, who is no longer rookie eligible, but is, but is a youngster, uh, seems to definitely uh, have a roster spot as perhaps a wrong side of the platoon center fielder. And if he plays well in that role, his role could increase as the season goes along.
0: Okay, Tom, that takes care of the Chicago Cubs. We'll have you back in the next segment with three teams, the Reds, uh, Cleveland, and uh, Detroit. But in the meantime, we appreciate it, and we'll catch up with you again in a few minutes. Okay. Tom Keppard is the BaseballHQ.com team analyst for the Cubs. When we come back from the break, we'll go to the south side and the White Sox with Rick Green. This is Baseball HQ Radio.
6: Whether we realize it or not, our draft day behavior is highly influenced by everyone around us. You rely on the wisdom of the crowd for decision-making. The problem with that is that the crowd is often dead wrong. The 2017 First Pitch Forum program moves you beyond the wisdom of the crowd by identifying the places to stray from consensus opinion. We have rebuilt this year's program from the ground up with the help of some of the sharpest minds in the fantasy baseball industry. All sessions are hosted by Baseball HQ founder Ron Chandler and feature other Baseball HQ writers and industry experts. We will be in Chicago on February 25th and St. Louis on February 26th. Washington, D.C., Virginia on March 3rd. New York, New Jersey on March 4th. Boston on March 5th. Los Angeles on March 11th. And San Francisco on March 12th. Come out and join us for three hours of invaluable draft prep time. First Pitch Forums. We'll see you there.
0: And welcome back to Baseball HQ Radio. It's part one of our team preview special edition. I'm Patrick Davitt. We head now to the south side of Chicago and BaseballHQ.com team analyst Rick Green. Rick, the south side of Chicago, a pretty bad side of town for baseball last season, a team in transition. What are you going to be watching for as the White Sox head into spring training?
7: Well, I'm kind of dubbing the White Sox as a team rebuild, and this is a place where you can look and find some real nice prospects here. Um, Look at that fifth uh, starting pitcher position. Reynaldo Lopez is a guy that big-time, high upside prospect. Um, got him from the Nationals. Uh, he's got a upper nineties fastball, uh, eight point six dominance. Um, had real big long-term potential here for the uh, for the White Sox, and he could be a, a boon for uh, fantasy leaguers there. Just uh, targeting him. Um, you don't want to go overboard with this guy, um, and he might not make it right out of the off the bat breaking team with uh with emma from spring training but he's one that i really like to target If you can get a dominant pitcher young like that and in keeper league you could uh, have benefits from there down the line
0: lucas giolito also came over in that trade rick uh, does he figure to be in the rotation for sure and if so uh how much stock should we put in lucas giolito
7: he's another one to uh keep an eye on i, I kind of think uh, Lopez would be the guy that would get the edge there off the bat, but uh, Giolito might be more of a guy mid-season.
0: Okay, and uh, when we look at the White Sox roster, there's some big names on there. There's some kind of questionable names. Uh, When you think about the value proposition, is there anybody on this roster you think is going to be, at the end of the season, a good value for the investment?
7: I'm looking at Charlie Tilson. Um, He could break camp, lead off center field. He could lead the, uh, you know, Get, get you some nice uh, sources of steel there for the White Sox. Uh, I always like uh, to find someone cheap, steels, um, help take care of a category there. Another one that, uh, that I'm looking at is Carlos Rondon. Um, if you miss out on uh, Quintana, then uh, Rondon would be the, uh, the backup there if, uh, if you want one, one pitcher to own from the White Sox. Uh, there are a couple other ones, like Nate Jones. If uh, White Sox are in full, you know, full-blown cell mode, Dave Robertson would be a prospect that would be uh, traded from the White Sox. Nate Jones would be a, a guy to target in the draft.
0: At the same time, we have some fairly big names on Chicago, led by Jose Abreu. Uh, when you think about how much money it's going to cost or what round it's going to cost to get some of the bigger names on the White Sox, are any of them guys you think we should avoid?
7: With the White Sox in transition, Abreu is another one I, I kind of want to shy away from a little bit there. I don't want to invest that much and have him struggle on my team there. So Abreu is a guy. I'm kind of looking in another direction, and another one uh, to avoid would be uh, James Shields. I mean, he had a brutal year last year. I think it was six and 19, um, ERA close to six.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be surprised if any of the leagues uh, that I'm in or that I watch, he goes for more than a dollar or a 23rd round guy at this point. I think everybody's lost faith in James Shields, uh, and with good reason. Uh, two pretty shaky years in a row, and uh, he just looked so bad last year that it doesn't seem possible that he could have a rebound. And having said that, somebody pays a buck, they could get a $10, 12 $15 pitcher if everything falls back into place. just doesn't seem likely.
7: Right, no, I, I wouldn't want to... Have that risk on my team um, I, I don't even know if I'd want to put a buck out there for James Shields <laughs> hoping someone else would go too, because the risk you know I, I just wouldn't want to assume that risk on my team
0: and finally you mentioned Reynaldo Lopez a possible rookie who could have an impact anybody else in the White Sox prospect pipeline
7: the big guy there that, uh, that I'm looking at is uh, a Moncada he is a uh, he is a prospect a target but I'm not expecting him to come up until mid-year.
0: And when he comes up, uh, he do you think he can step right in and play?
7: Oh, without a doubt. His power's starting to merge. He's got some good speed. And, you know, his, uh, he was promoted to A last year. He held his own. He's probably one of the, the top prospects there in, in baseball. And that's someone everyone probably should target there with Wankata. With
0: okay, Rick, uh, thanks for helping us out with the White Sox. I guess we'll talk to you again next week with the uh, Minnesota Twins and Pittsburgh. Great. Thank you. Rick Green is the BaseballHQ.com team analyst for the White Sox. Now let's head up to Cincinnati and analyst Tom Kephart. Tom, Cincinnati looks like a rebuilding club again, so where are the roster battles this spring training?
5: Well, I think the major question... Uh, since the Reds were unable to trade either Zach Cozart or Brandon Phillips this off season, is where will Jose Peraza play? Peraza was very impressive uh, as a rookie last season, uh, when his, particularly near the end of the season when he was playing uh, in at shortstop in place of Zach Cozart, who was injured, um, and the Reds seem intent on creating a position for Paraz, or at least getting him into the lineup on a regular basis. So he can play second, short, and the outfield. He'll qualify both at short and in the outfield entering the season, though he most likely will qualify rather soon at second base in most formats as well. I basically think of this as the Reds having four players, for three positions among second-base shortstop and the one-corner outfield spot uh, occupied by Scott Schebler. There's also a big question mark at catcher surrounding the health of Devin Mesoraco. Uh, off-season reports indicate that Mer- Mesoraco is healthy. However, we won't really know that until we see it. And the, his backup, Tucker Barnhart, sort of proved himself last year, that he could be a decent, uh, won't-hurt-you type second catcher. Also, there are question marks both on the pitching staff, both in the rotation and in the bullpen. It seems as though the only two definite starters in the rotation are Anthony DeSclafani and Brandon Finnegan. Uh, Homer Bailey will be there. He is similar to Mesorocco. We have a guy who's pitched very little, the last two seasons if he is healthy he likely will be in the rotation I mean almost certainly and then we may see a situation where the final two spots are filled by Tim Adelman who pitched better than expected really Uh, he had been kind of a journeyman Uh, got a shot last season and pitched respectively and veteran off season free agent signing Scott Feldman Adelman and Feldman seem likely to be the fourth and fifth starters to open the season, though they'll be competing in spring training with uh, Cody Reed and prospect Robert Stevenson. In the bullpen, Drew Storen was added to the roster. Uh, Storen's not really expected to open the season as the closer, though it's conceivable that he could work his way into the saves mix. Uh, Of course, he's a former closer. Uh, Rysel Iglesias ended the season as the Reds' closer, and he seems to be the favorite going into the season, though. Manager Brian Price has frequently mentioned that he would like to use both Iglesias and Michael Lorenzen for more innings.
0: Tom, the uh, bad teams are sometimes sources of good value because there's not a lot of name recognition for a lot of players. Uh, Which players on the Reds do you think look interesting to you as potential value providers?
5: Brandon Finnegan shapes up as a uh, possible sleeper he's someone who uh, still struggles with the home run ball and uh, also a little bit with control though Finnegan did show that strikeout to the walk ratio was much better during the second half of the season than it was in the first half
0: on the other end uh, which players do you think uh, savvy owners are going to avoid on the Reds as likely not to return value
5: I don't know that there's anyone other than Joey Votto you're going to have to spend a lot of money to acquire on the Reds <laughs> or to draft with a high, invest a high draft pick in. So I don't know that there's anyone you can pinpoint as, well, this person will likely clearly deliver less value than what we might expect. I would say that both Zach Kozart and Brandon Phillips uh, are vulnerable to losing playing time.
0: And finally, young teams, oftentimes uh, lots of opportunities for rookies. You mentioned a couple already. Anybody else we should be looking at as a potential impact?
5: I would expect that Amir Garrett, the Southpaw pitcher, pitchers, considered the Reds' top pitching prospect, will get a look at some point this season. Now, he has not had much time at AAA, uh, but he, he likely will open the season at AAA Louisville, but I would expect that at some point along the line this season, he will get a major league opportunity. uh, And also watch for Jesse Winker, uh, outfielder, hitting prospect, to be up at some point during the season as well. He could be up by midseason. And he could possibly supplant Scott Shubler as a regular.
0: Tom Kephart is the BaseballHQ.com team analyst for the Reds, and we'll keep Tom here because we're just staying inside the state of Ohio looking at the Cleveland club. Tom, as we head into spring training, uh, Cleveland looks set. The only big move they made was to get Edwin Encarnacion. Where are the battles, if any, for playing time in Cleveland this season?
5: so much a position battle here, Patrick, as uncertainty surrounding the health situation with Michael Brantley. Brantley was limited to only 39 at-bats in 2016 with shoulder problems. He had season-ending shoulder surgery. There's been very little reporting regarding his condition this offseason. So he, he looms right now as a complete and total wild card in terms of what to expect from him in twenty seventeen. Uh, they seem Cleveland seems set with platoons in both center field with recently signed Austin Jackson being the right handed partner with lefty Tyler Naquin, who played so well as a rookie last season, and in right field with Lonnie Chisenhall and Brandon Geyer. The Jacksons' playing time could increase if Brantley turns out not to be healthy, and then you also have light-hitting, solid defender Abraham Almonte in the mix. It's
0: a loaded team, as I said. Which players here do you think look interesting as value propositions for 2017?
5: Brantley is somebody, uh, who could have value or he could be a total bust. Uh, basically my attitude toward Brantley right now is, uh, if you're drafting early, you probably should avoid him until quite late. Um, if he's available late and you've already built the core of your, uh, hitting, then maybe you can take a chance on Brantley. It don't depend on him to be part of your core hitters, though.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be watching spring training. Uh, Michael Brantley, I'm particularly curious if he's going to run the way he used to because he's generated so much fantasy value from stolen bases, and of course, they are more valuable than they used to be. Uh, Which player on the club do you think savvy owners need to be very wary of, besides Michael Brantley, as you mentioned?
5: (laughs) Well, I I guess uh, the other uh, player to be a little bit wary of maybe is Cody Allen, the closer, because now with Andrew Miller, Uh, on hand, Uh, there's the possibility that if Allen were to go through an extended stretch of ineffectiveness, as he occasionally has been prone to in the past, Miller could replace him as the primary save source. Now, Miller has value regardless. But Allen is susceptible to losing value if he were to be replaced as the primary saves guy by Miller.
0: Does the team have any rookies or prospects we should be watching uh, for maybe midseason call-ups in Cleveland?
5: Well, I would say uh, Brad Zimmer, the center field prospect, is... Someone to keep an eye on. Zimmer's been a highly ranked prospect for a while, though he has been contact challenged as he's risen in the minor leagues. So he really struggled in AAA after a, a late season promotion there last season. He could emerge at some point during the season, especially since we're not totally confident with regard to Tyler Naquin being able to repeat what he did as a rookie last season because Naquin also has contact issues. So Zimmer could emerge, but it seems as though he needs more seasoning.
0: Okay, Tom, we'll put you on the bench here for a few minutes while we look at the Colorado Rockies, and then we'll get you back to talk about the Detroit Tigers. Okay. Tom Keppard is the Baseball HQ team analyst for the Cleveland uh, Indians. He'll be back in a few moments to look at the Tigers, as I said. But right now, we're off to Colorado, Rocky Mountain High, with analyst Rob Carroll. Rob, as we head into spring training and the Rockies, where are the key roster battles?
2: Well, Patrick, the, uh, the Rockies have a really stable lineup. I mean, they've got one of the better offensive teams, as you would expect. So they don't do a lot of uh, stuff with their position players. So the big screen battle is going to be within the closer. They just picked up Greg Holland from Kansas City, free agent, and he saved a whole bunch of games like three years ago. In fact, 125. But, you know, he's been on the shelf for a year and a half. And just a year ago, they traded for Jake McGee from Tampa Bay. And, you know, he fared pretty well. He was 15 for 19, but his K's dropped precipitously, like in half, from almost 12 to just a little over 7. Then they have old standby Adam Ottavino, and he's been very reliable whenever they've plucked him in, but he has some health issues. Now, he also strikes out more than a batter in any, and he, he's done so, but, but he's a health risk. So it could be any of those guys or a combination that Butt Back will play with as, as we enter spring training. And then peripherally, we have a, a, a catcher situation with Nick Hundley departing. We have Tom Murphy is probably going to um, assume the major role with Tony Walters last year's backup. So I would expect Tom Murphy to, to see the lion's share of, of catching once the season starts. The only questionable spot is at first base, where they really don't have a real first baseman other than Mark Reynolds who they just brought back, and Ian Desmond, who's a converted outfielder and then a, a shortstop. So. That's about the most interesting position player battles. There just really aren't any. They're pretty much set.
0: When you look at that Colorado roster, as you said, there's some pretty well-known and very productive offensive players. Do you see any sources of profit, though, or do most of those guys look like they're going to be you know, priced in for their full value?
2: I think they're all priced in for their full value. I mean, they're all, um, they all can fill up the stat sheet from left to right across the outfield. Um, Nolan Arenado, um, obviously one of the best. J.J. LeMayhew,
0: Which player on the club do you think might be overpriced and that owners need to avoid?
2: Well, I just mentioned Ian Desmond, and he's a fine player, but he's a little bit less interesting as an outfielder first baseman than he was as a shortstop, and he won't have first base eligibility, at least initially. In the first half, he hit like 14 home runs and hit close to 320. In the second half, he hit seven home runs and 250, and his OPS was 200 points off. So we're not really too sure where to get from Ian Desmond. He's known as a fine athlete, but I think he might be overvalued even in the thin air of Coors Field.
0: And finally, do the Rockies have any prospects in the pipeline we need to be aware of uh, that might have a fantasy impact during the season?
2: Well, in their, in their everyday lineup, probably not. The, the one person that is really interesting is Ryan Tapia. He's an outfielder in, in 2,300 at bats in the minors. He has a 317 batting average. And he can fly, too. He's got 120 steals, but he's been caught 71 times. So he's obviously got to work on his base running. But, yeah, he could get some playing time. He could play all three positions. He's, he's a top-of-the-order type hitter. And, of course, we mentioned Tom Murphy, who will slide into the full-time catching role for them. And the real only position player of, of uh, first base, I mentioned they have a paucity of first base prog, of prospects, Ryan McMahon. He barely hit 240 in AA last year. He's supposed to have immense power, but he's obviously going to have to repeat that level before he even thinks of going to AAA. So Colorado's pretty set, I believe.
0: And uh, because they're set, not a lot of uh, wiggle room, it's going to be what you see is what you get, it sounds like. Uh, Geez, Rob, thanks a million for helping us out with the Rockies and the Diamondbacks this week, and I guess we'll catch up with you again next week to get your take on the San Francisco Giants. Yeah, thanks a lot, Patrick. Rob Carroll is the BaseballHQ.com team analyst for the Rockies and for the Diamondbacks. Now let's go to the Motor City. And with a report on the Detroit Tigers, here again is BaseballHQ.com team analyst Tom Kephart. Tom, what's going on with spring training battles in Detroit?
5: There seems to be a total gap in center field. Uh, Detroit uh, dealt Cameron Maben to the Angels in the off season in what appeared to be a salary dump move and it left them with no regular center fielder. They seem to have identified prospect Jacoby Jones, who was up for a while due to injuries uh to some of their regulars in twenty sixteen as their future center fielder, though there have been rumblings from Detroit that the brass would like for Jones to get more seasoning in triple A, maybe spend at least half a season there before they hand center field over to him. But he is likely to be up at some point this season and could be playing regularly in center field. Now, he's contact challenged. He's a guy with an interesting power speed mix, though, but he's unlikely to provide any help in batting average. Now, they recently acquired Mike Matuk from uh, Tampa Bay. It looks as though Matuk, who is contact challenged, uh, but has displayed moderate power and above-average speed in the past, could get the first shot at the center field job. And there's a, a little bit of a question at the back end of the rotation as there's a basically a three-man competition here for two spots between uh, aging veteran Anibal Sanchez, who has lost effectiveness in the past couple seasons, and youngsters Daniel Norris and Matt Boyd.
0: When you look at the Tigers' roster, some big names on there, of course, Miguel Cabrera, uh, Ian Kinsler, even Justin Upton. uh, Which players look like they might be able to provide some value?
5: It is possible that Justin Upton could rebound to previous levels, and he seems to be being discounted to this point. So there is some uh, potential upside there with Upton. I'm not sure that there's a whole lot of value anywhere else uh, on the roster though
0: as we said before when you have a lot of big names sometimes you have a lot of big bids or early picks which is oftentimes a source of uh, value loss is there anybody on this team that you think owners should be leery of shall we say in investing good uh, good sized dollars or good sized draft picks
5: no one among the position players who i would classify in that respect though there that might be the case on the pitching staff uh If you're thinking that Jordan Zimmerman, uh, who was quite successful in his earlier years with Washington, is going to get back to a high level, then you might be disappointed. Uh, Zimmerman has struggled with injuries, lost dominance. I mean, his strikeout rate has really dissipated in recent seasons. He doesn't seem to be necessarily overvalued in early drafts, but he is a fairly big names, so that creates the possibility that there could be an overpayment there.
0: Tom, the Tigers' farm system has a reputation for being quite barren. Is there anybody there that you see who might be able to help the team and especially help fantasy owners in the 2017 season?
5: Well, it is ironic that while their farm system is not highly rated, they are looking to a couple of prospects uh, to join the Major League team at some point this season, and provide some help. Uh, We already talked about Jacoby Jones, and in the bullpen, uh, there is a relief pitcher prospect, Joe Jimenez, who could make the team out of spring training and then work his way into high leverage relief work, probably as a setup man to closer Francisco Rodriguez.
0: Okay, Tom, thanks very much for bringing us up to date on the Detroit situation as we go into spring training and I guess uh, this is your last one for this week, but we'll have you back next week. I think you're opening the show talking about the Brewers. Okay. Tom Kephart is the Baseball HQ team analyst for the Tigers, and when we come back after the break we're off to Houston. That's coming up next on Baseball HQ Radio.
1: He's sitting on 7-14. Here's the pitch by
0: Downing. Swinging. There's a drive into left-center field. That ball is going to be... Out of here! It's gone! It's 7-15! There's a new home run champion of all time, and it's Henry Aaron! The fireworks are going! Henry Aaron is coming around third! His teammates are at home plate, and listen to this crowd! Baseball
5: HQ Radio.
0: That's probably my favorite baseball audio clip champion of all time, Milo Hamilton, calling the shot that pushed Henry Aaron past Babe Ruth in Atlanta back on April 8th, 1974. Before we get back to our show, I just want to tell you about BaseballHQ.com, which I like to call the best fantasy baseball website in the business. And I mean it. I've been pretty successful over the years in my home leagues and in experts leagues, and I know it was because of my subscription to BaseballHQ.com. And I know lots of other successful players who say the same thing. You should join us. There are two subscription plans at BaseballHQ.com. An annual subscription costs $89, which is a better deal than getting Mike Trout for Ezekiel Carrera. Or just get ready for draft day with a draft prep subscription which takes you from now through April 30th. And right now, because you're listening to this Baseball HQ Radio podcast, you get an even better deal. Enter HQ Radio, all one word, in the coupon code box at checkout, and they'll knock five bucks off the price. That's like getting Mike Trout and Clayton Kershaw for Ezekiel Carrera. So don't wait. Get over to BaseballHQ.com now to get Trout and Kershaw and if you think Ezekiel Carrera is going to have a better year than those guys, boy, you really need BaseballHQ.com. Remember, enter HQ Radio, all one word, in the coupon code box at checkout and get five bucks off your subscription. Join the winners at BaseballHQ.com. And now with Kansas City coming up in the next segment of our team previews edition, Here's BaseballHQ.com minor leagues analyst Rob Gordon with a look at one of the Royals' top prospects, outfielder and third baseman, Hunter Dozier. The Kansas City Royals' Hunter Dozier finally had a breakout season in
8: 2016, reestablishing himself as the top prospect in the organization. Dozier, who was the eighth overall pick in the 2013 draft, stalled for several years at AA before finally figuring things out last year. Dozier hit just 209 and then 213 in his first two seasons at AA with an alarming propensity to swing and miss, causing him to virtually fall off the prospect radar map. Realizing that he needed to make an adjustment, Dozier worked hard in the offseason last year to shorten his swing and simplify his approach without losing power. The dividends were immediate, and on the year, Dozier hit 296 with a 366 on on-base percentage and a very impressive 533 slugging percentage. He had 44 doubles and 23 home runs between double and triple A. Defensively, Dozier moves well at third base and he has a plus arm. He played shortstop in college at Stephen F. Austin State and should be able to stick at third base over the long term. Dozier is currently blocked at third by Mike Moustakas, but he should see some action in Kansas City at some point in 2017, and he makes an excellent long-term keeper. For more detailed information on Hunter Dozier and the other top prospects in baseball, check out all of the minor league coverage at BaseballHQ.com. Each week between now and the beginning of the season, Jeremy Deloney and I will be reviewing the top fantasy prospects at each position. Up this week, we look at the top third-base prospects, focusing in particular on those most likely to have an impact in 2017. For Baseball HQ Radio, this is Baseball HQ Minor League Analyst Rob Gordon.
0: And welcome back to Baseball HQ Radio's Team Preview Edition for 2017. I'm Patrick Davitt. We're two-thirds of the way through week one. Let's continue now with the Houston Astros and say hello for the first time this show and this season to our regular reporter on the American League Newsbeat and a Baseball HQ team analyst for four teams, Jock Thompson. Jock, welcome back to Baseball HQ Radio Podcast for a new fantasy season.
1: Hey, Guy, how you doing? Uh, happy baseball, uh... Time end of the Super Bowl and uh, we're ready to go.
0: Yeah, we're ready to go. Finally, that's for sure. Uh, Jock, you monitor four teams as a baseball HQ team analyst. But let's start with the Houston Astros. And as we head into spring training, where do you see this team's key roster battles that fantasy owners should be looking at?
1: Well, it's an interesting team because they really did uh, reinforce their outfield. Um, There's going to be a few outfield battles. We'll talk to their infield looks set except for first base. Most of the question marks are in their starting pitching staff, and that seems to be the way for most of the AL West, but uh, that's how I see it.
0: In particular, uh, it looks like they have a few position battles that are going to be very interesting to watch starting at first base.
1: Yeah, they have a real crowd there. Um, they, they didn't get a lot of uh, production from first base last year, um, and the default that I see going into that right now is going to be Yuli guriel who has a uh, uh, a four-year contract, and he's 33 years old. He's he's no spring chicken, obviously. Um, so they're incentivized to play him. Uh, AJ Reed was a disappointment last year. Um, they're probably going to start with uh, Guriel, who's been blocked at third base. Um, if Reed has a good spring, he'll factor into it. Um, you've also got Tyler White, who's a big disappointment. Uh, Brian McCann could get some reps there too. So that's going to be a fluid situation over at, uh, at over at the Astros first base spot.
0: Well, you mentioned that catcher spot. Uh, what about Evan Gaddis, who also fits into a number of positions as well?
1: Yeah, that's a real interesting situation. Uh, obviously, um, Gaddis had his uh, his issues catching uh, defensively last year. He wasn't uh, he wasn't particularly great, but. Uh, he had a fine year. He hit 32 home runs and 447 at-bats. Uh, they brought in McCann. McCann's a better, a better receiver than Gattis, so he's probably going to get most of the time. Um, Gattis right now, if you look at most starting most projected starting rotations, would find himself on the, on the bench. But uh, my guess is that, uh, depending on injuries and trades, et cetera, et cetera, they're going to try to get him another 400 at-bats between catcher, DH first base and maybe even a little bit of left field.
0: In the rotation, uh, Houston was not strong pitching last year. They do, however, seem to have a pretty set rotation, except for that five-hole uh, Musgrove versus Morton. What do you think?
1: Um, I think right now um, they're they're hedging their bets. They're, I think they're going to go with Morton to start off. They signed him to a two-year contract. Um, Here's a guy who's had a big ground ball uh, pretty much for most of his career, and he's actually shown flashes, but he cannot stay healthy. Um, I think they're going to give Musgrove uh, a little more seasoning in uh, in the minors to begin the season again, uh, as long as everyone else is healthy. Um, but I think eventually Musgrove will again make his way to the rotation in Houston.
0: Jock, which players on the roster look interesting to you for our 2017 drafts?
1: Well, I already mentioned one of them, Gurriel. He's, uh, he used to be a uh, one of the preeminent Cuban ballplayers in his prime. He's 33 now. He had a whirlwind year last year in that he came to the country, uh, went through three, four levels. Um, he wasn't terrific. He hit about uh, 270, uh, hit a couple of home runs um, in, uh, what, uh, maybe 100-plus at-bats, uh, but this is a guy, I think, once he gets his feet on the ground, um, he's capable of hitting 280, 290, 15 home runs, something like that. And he's going to provide some versatility. I don't think his upside's um, there anymore in terms of being the player he used to be. But again, we're talking to, if we're talking about playing time and versatility on a team that is, that's going to have a good offense and get you a lot of counting stats... Um, I think this is a guy you have to look at. Uh, And another guy I like is Josh Reddick. In this part, coming out of Oakland, Reddick's going to be in right field against right-handed pitchers. If if he can stay healthy, he may even get some time against lefties. This is a guy who has improved his plate skills, his powers diminished over the last few years. But again, coming out of Oakland, uh, if he can stay healthy, I think he could put together a surprising year.
0: Jock, I've been asking our analysts to identify possible uh, players who might get overpaid, and I know from talking to you, you think Carlos Beltran might be that kind of player. Why is that?
1: I think he's worth looking at, but I would not I would not pay for the production last year. Here's a guy who's, who's I think he's going to turn 41 this year. He's moving from Yankee Stadium. His power really slipped in the second half last year. He has been injury-prone, even though he's been healthy recently. Um, Houston is so deep offensively if if Beltran begins to slide the Astros really need to win this year they need to get back to the playoffs to keep that fan base. Um, Beltran's the kind of guy who could suffer playing time-wise if he doesn't, doesn't get off to a good start.
0: And finally are there any rookies or prospects that we should be looking at maybe on reserve in keeper leagues that kind of thing because they could make an impact this year?
1: Yeah, the guy I really like is Francis Martes, Martes and uh, and the reason I like him is because of that Astros starting pitching staff. I I don't necessarily think that's going to remain intact from opening day to to um, to the end of the season. Obviously, most starting pitching staffs don't. Um, Martes is a high upside guy. He went through Double A last year. He started off very slowly. He finished. Uh, he was terrific. He, he's drawing a lot of Johnny Cueto comparisons struck out 130 batters and 125 innings in double a he'll start in triple a this year i think he could spend two or three months in houston depending on how everything goes
0: all right jock thanks a million for bringing us up to speed on the houston astros we'll have you back a little later to talk about the two la teams sounds good pd Jock Thompson is BaseballHQ.com's team analyst for the Houston Astros and will be back a little later with his observation about the Dodgers, the Angels, and then next week, the San Diego Padres. Right now, though, it's time to go to the great Midwest and the 2015 World Series champion Kansas City Royals. And here once again is BaseballHQ.com team analyst, Matt Dodge. Matt, the Royals have been a pretty solid team the last couple of years. Any roster battles in spring training this year, we need to be watching.
3: Well, an unsettled position in 2017 for the Kansas City Royals, Patrick, would be second base, where there's a a collection of candidates, including current incumbent Whit Merrifield and -and up-and-coming Raul Adalberto Mondesi, the son of Raul Mondesi, who we all remember from the 1990s, and carryover utility player Christian Colon. Merrifield had the job for a good part of 2016, and he did okay. Batting averages is helpful, stole some bases, provided some pop at the top of the lineup, but he could be pushed by Mondesi, who's had a history of being one of the youngest players at each level. He had a reduced, however banned substance suspension that took out part of 2016, but he worked his way back from that, and he made his way back up to the majors. And he offers some top-shelf speed, which fits right in with the Royals philosophy, and he could be a functional equivalent for Jared Dyson as being a 10-stolen-base-per-every-100-at-bats kind of guy.
0: Besides him, which players on the roster in Kansas City look like they might be potential sources of value and profit?
3: Kelvin Herrero looks like a top five American League closer, and he's one of those ones who can get the extra fraction of an inning and do the saves of more than an inning, which will help his counting numbers as well. Outside of that, there's some upside for Jorge Soler, who comes to a new environment and maybe escape some of the pressure from the, from the brighter lights of his previous team and may have an opportunity to blossom in Kansas City.
0: And which player on the club do you think uh, smart owners are going to be leery of as potential sources of value loss?
3: The one that I worry about on the Royals is Sal Perez. He had a, a huge workload in 2015 when the Royals went to and won the World Series and he played in all the postseason games. And I believe that probably contributed to some of his nagging lower half injuries in the second half of 2016. And I think he could be, I don't want to say wearing down, but he might just level off at a slightly lower level of production than we have seen in the last few years.
0: over the last six seasons he has 663 games played at the catcher position that's 110 a year and the numbers are higher more recently. I think that's a giant red flag. I think you're dead right about that and Salvador Perez also bit of a uh, bit of a batting average sink and a on base percentage sink because he strikes out too much as well. Uh, and finally do, does Kansas City have any rookies any prospects we should be looking at for uh, right at the start of the season or down the roadaways?
3: Well, if Mondesi can get a chance to win win all or a share of the second base job, I think he has an opportunity to put up some stolen base numbers and contribute. Uh, On the pitching side, the Royals have a rookie, Matt Strom, who came up in the second half and was pretty lights out as a left-handed reliever in the bullpen, but he had some success in... The minors as a starter and so he may enter a back of the rotation competition in Kansas City he's interesting and has an opportunity to earn some well-deserved innings as the season goes on another choice is there's a strange roster situation with the Royals in 2017 in that a lot of their core pieces of the team that has been to the World Series will be expiring contracts and so there's speculation about people that will get traded at the deadline which could open up playing time for Mondesi playing time for other prospects like Hunter Dozier or Peter O'Brien depending on how the roster is moved so There's chances there if people want to speculate on second half and a redo of the Royals roster.
0: Okay, Matt, thanks very much for giving us the information on the Royals and a little earlier in the show, Baltimore and Boston as well. And next week we'll catch up with you with the rest of the American League East, the Yankees, Tampa, and Toronto.
3: Sounds great, Patrick.
0: Matt Dodge is the BaseballHQ.com team analyst for the Kansas City Royals. Now let's go to the West Coast and to the bright lights in the big city, Los Angeles, California, and Jock Thompson. Jock, the Los Angeles Dodgers head into spring training with a very solid-looking roster. Are there any battles that we need to watch there?
1: Well, I like the Dodgers a lot, first off. I think, uh, again, they've, as has been in the past few years, they have a lot of depth, and I think they have probably even more so this year, I think position-wise, the biggest battle that I see is going to go on in left field, and I'm still not sure whether it's going to be Andrew Tolles or Andre Ethier uh, platooning. Uh, I have a feeling they they may try and trade Ethier, um, but obviously that hasn't happened yet. Um, either one of them, regardless who wins, they're going to be platooning, either with Trace Thompson or Darren Ruff or uh, Enrique Hernandez, um, who are also probably going to take Smith-Bats in the uh, in center field and in right field, uh, away from um, Josh Peterson and uh, Yasil Puig. So, the outfield is kind of an interesting situation for the Dodgers. The infield uh, looks pretty much set right now, and, and as it does, catching. Um, the rotation, a uh, lot of depth there. Again, there's, there's two big injury questions uh, there in terms of uh, Hyun Jin Wu and uh, Alex Wood. So, those are the issues I'm looking at.
0: I have to ask, what's your hot take on Yaziel Puig? A great talent, but um, my dad used to say million-dollar legs, 10-cent head.
1: Yeah, exactly. You're throwing darts at this point. Uh, you, he's He's got a ton of upside. Uh, obviously, you, you have to hope that his uh, his emotional uh, maturity and uh, and head catch up with all that ability if that happens. Um, you know, the sky's the limit. But uh, right now, all you have to do is look at the last couple of years and, and uh, to understand what the risk is.
0: Yeah, something to watch in spring training. He supposedly says he's going to have a better attitude. Regular HQ Radio listeners might remember you were very enthusiastic last season about Andrew Tolles, and boy, he was terrific. Three homers, uh, high teens, and runs in RBIs, 314 batting average, just hundred and fifty at-bats. I think the sky's the limit there, but a struggling versus left-handers, as you suggested. Uh, I'm going to guess you still like Tolles for 2017, based on what you said, but which other players on the Dodgers roster look interesting you for 2017?
1: You know honestly, I like tolls, but when you look at a guy who who went through that many levels that quickly, you almost think that there might be a pullback or some sort of uh, a consolidation of skills. I wouldn't even be surprised if he starts the year and spends a couple of months in triple a just to gather himself a little bit more um i I have him on one of my keeper league teams and will definitely keep him, but uh he's got some competition and and i and I think he's gonna have to win a job in march um so Still an interesting guy. Love his love his uh, his skill set. The speed uh, has uh, double digit home run power as well. So I like him a lot. Um, the guys that I that I find interesting, uh, I I think Alex Wood is, is very interesting if he can stay healthy. He had a very torrid stretch there. I think it was in May where he was just uh, May or June where he was just all world. Um, he's going to have to fight for a rotation spot, but if he stays healthy, his fastball was ticking up. His control was a little better. Um, um, he, he could be a, a big surprise this year. But uh, him and him and Tolles, uh, I like. Um, I, I, those are the two right there. And I also like Brock Stewart. Um, I like Brock Stewart. Uh, he's a back-of-the-rotation guy. At the Angels starters, um, starting pitching starts going down. Brock Stewart is a guy who blew through three levels last year and didn't show any fear in the majors when he got there. He had a couple of very good games, including one eight-strikeout, five-inning performance against the Cubs, where uh, he really impressed me. So, um, Brock Stewart is another sleeper who I like.
0: Which player on the Dodgers do you think savvy owners should be avoiding this year?
1: Um, well, one of them is uh, is Scott Kazmir. I just uh, his his durability has been uh, has been fading. Uh, he always seems to wind up in the second half uh, hurt. Uh, he even bailed a little earlier last year. He wound up with a 4.56 ERA. Um, he still won 10 games, obviously. It's the Dodgers. It's a pretty good team. Um, I, I I just don't like the way Scott, Scott uh, um skills are trending. He struck out over eight hitters a game, but uh, control was a problem. Um, home runs were a big problem. Uh, by the time he went down, I would avoid him. Adrian Gonzalez is beginning to slow down. Um, I don't think he's he's going to fall off a cliff by any means, but I don't think he's going to be the player he's been over the last three, four years.
0: And finally, you mentioned Brock Stewart. Any other rookies or prospects we should be looking at?
1: Yeah, I really like Cody Bellinger. Um, I, he hasn't tasted AAA yet, but this is a guy with all kinds of upside and potential. Um, his his numbers last year for his age, uh, what he did in Double A after missing the first season or the I'm sorry the first month with a hip injury, were terrific. Uh, he's getting a lot of love on early prospect lists. The nice thing about Bellinger is that he's a left-handed hitter who can play both the outfield or first base. So if there's an injury and he's and he's playing well, you know the Dodgers want to go further than they have in the postseason in the last couple of years. So I wouldn't be surprised. Bellinger's the kind of guy who can make a big leap very quickly. Um, And uh, I think that if if, if, if under the right circumstances, he could be up uh, earlier than maybe a few people have anticipated.
0: Jock Thompson analyzes the Los Angeles Dodgers for BaseballHQ.com. And as it happens, also covers the other team in Los Angeles, his beloved Angels. So, Jock, let's just keep rolling here with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And as we head into spring training, where do you think this team's key roster battles will be?
1: Well, the one thing the Angels did do was they, they improved their position player depth. Um they they've got uh, they've got plenty of MLB ready and MLB experienced players now on the ro- on the roster. They acquired both uh Cameron Mabin uh, from uh Detroit and they, they picked up free agent Ben Revere. They also signed Luis Valbuena and uh Danny Espinosa. So so plenty of uh plenty of players there. I think left field again, uh, seems to be a a thing with us here uh, uh in the uh in in the West, uh, uh, Maben versus Revere is going to be an interesting battle. Um, a lot of people are are picking Maben because his skills have come on over the past few years. But if you look at Revere, uh, particularly against right-handed pitching, um, this is a guy who until last year was uh, was pretty dominant. Had a great speed game. Uh, he got injured early on and uh, and was never quite the same after that. But uh, he's not an old player. He runs real well. Um, I like Ben Revere. Um, some people are projecting that chris I'm sorry that CJ crone is going to lose at bats to um, Luis Valbuena I'm not so sure about that I really like Crone I think his plate skills are improving he's still got the good power Valbuena is going to play a lot of first base while Albert Pujols is still on the DL obviously he had offseason surgery for plantarctositis. Uh, he's expected to miss probably most of April um, it's going to be interesting to see where Valbuena fits in to the uh to the angel scheme of things um when when holes gets back um and it's very possible that he could get some second base at bats uh to re- replacing Espinoza, who I, I think as we all know has these long offensive drops particularly against right-handed pitching but when it hits right-handed pitching and it wasn't that long ago where he was a second baseman he has 209 games there so uh it'll be interesting to see what happens there's a lot of roster flexibility there but um Look at left field, DH, second base as, uh, as where the angels are most flexible. Um, the, the final the, uh, the pitching wise, I think um, obviously there's going to be a closer battle. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, the angel rotation is wide open. Uh, they had a lot of injuries last year. There's a lot of question as to who's going to come back from those injuries and, and who's going to be healthy. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity in, uh, in the angel rotation.
0: You mentioned the closer battle, uh, that's Houston Street, often injured, a uh, bit fragile versus Cam Bedrosian. We've loved Cam Bedrosian here at Baseball HQ Radio for a couple of years now, and he actually did get the job last year, much to my delight, because I had him on my Tout Wars roster, and then he immediately got hurt. And so I guess the question is, coming out of camp, who do you expect to be holding that closer role? Is it Street or Bedrosian? Yeah,
1: that's a real good question. I think it's going to depend on Street's performance in March. Um if he's throwing well, they'll start out with him. He's got another year left on his contract and all that veteran experience, quote unquote. Um, but I personally don't think uh, Street stuff is is up to it anymore. I would expect him to be replaced by Bedrosian sooner sooner than later uh, at, at the back end of uh, at the uh, of the uh, Angel bullpen. Bedrosian stuff is just is just much is a is a big improvement, um, and Street hasn't been able to stay healthy or throw very well these, this past year and a half. Uh, look for a change there. I would be betting on on Bedrosian over Street.
0: I would too, but now I'm starting to get concerned that maybe he has the injury bug. I think he's uh, had two major league seasons broken down uh, both times. I wonder about him as well. Uh, Speaking of injuries and pitchers, Garrett Richards had a tear of his ulnar collateral ligament, usually a Tommy John situation, but he decided not to have Tommy John. He went for a therapy and rehab type program. What do you hear about the prognosis for a successful return for Garrett Richards?
1: Yeah, he did the um, plasma-rich platelet uh, injections, and and from what I'm hearing, everything is proceeding very well. Now, it, it, that's an interesting situation. We, there's, we, we don't have a lot of experience with th- that sort of rehab. Obviously, we, we thought he was scheduled for Tommy John here, but apparently the injury is healing. The real question is with Richards, uh, he, he has kind of a violent delivery, and what's going to happen um, when he throws once every five games and goes five, six, seven innings? Um, there's real risk there. I think uh, he doesn't have the clean mechanics of other of other uh, um, pitchers that have that have taken that route, uh, say a Masahiro Tanaka or a Bartolo Colon. They've had very good results, but these are guys with very crisp, very repeatable mechanics. Richards isn't one of those, and uh, obviously there's big upside if this can work out for him. But if not, uh, you're looking at of a guy who, who could be done by the middle of the season.
0: Jock Thompson is the BaseballHQ.com team analyst for both Los Angeles teams, and he'll be back next week to cover the San Diego Padres. Now, though, we're off to another sunny city on the other side of the continent. Down to Miami we go, and BaseballHQ.com Marlins team analyst Phil Hertz. Phil, Miami looked like a team on the rise last year, so what roster battle should fantasy owners be watching this spring training? Yeah, actually
4: a couple of things involving the pitching staff. I think most people think that the the rotation is set after all their signings this winter, but you know, I think there could be a battle at the back of the starting rotation among uh, Locke, Kohler, and Straley. Um, Locke, I think, is ticketed for the bullpen, but it's not like Kohler or Straley have been, you know, aces in their lives. So it's possible that he'll pull out. The other one that I'm really looking at is the bullpen. Um, I expect A.J. Ramos to Ramos to start the season as the closer, but he's had control issues in the past, and last year he was walking almost five batters per nine innings. And the uh, Marlins had a nice crew of uh, guys right behind him, uh, Brad Ziegler, uh, David Phelps, and Kyle Barraclough, all of whom, well, Ziegler's been a successful closer uh, as recently as the first half of last year. Um, and had in a surprisingly good, uh, for him, seven strikeouts per nine in the second half. And then you've got Phelps, who had an 11.8 per strikeouts per nine innings and struck out 104 guys in 87 innings. Um, uh, and there had been some talk that he'd go into the rotation, but with all the signings, that doesn't seem likely. And the guy I really um, uh, I covet is Kyle Barraclaw. He was uh, uh, sh- sh- striking out 14 guys for nine innings and had 113 strikeouts in 73 innings last year, um, you know that's a pretty good resume to to bring into this. So I think people really need to keep an eye on how the Marlins' bullpen is getting used this uh, this spring and whether or not um, Mattingly starts to make some noises. You know, they did bring in uh, Fernando Rodney last year, which tells me they weren't 100 percent happy with Ramos, and they also made noises this offseason about Chapman and Melanson, and they never brought any of them in, but that tells me that Ramos doesn't have a lock on the job.
0: It sounds like he doesn't. Uh, Now, a lot of people are wondering about uh, Giancarlo Stanton. We always wonder about Giancarlo Stanton every year. Uh, First question is, do you think he is going to be overdrafted relative to the risk involved?
4: He's one of the guys that I will not touch. Um, You know, I recognize that a lot of his injuries seem fluky, but this is a guy who's uh, once in the last five years, had more than 449 at-bats, and that was only 539. Um, I just think he's, um, uh, you know, he's the kind of guy that if he's there in a fourth round of, a, of an NL only or in a third round of a mixed league, maybe I'd go for him. But otherwise, I just don't want to invest somebody who might only play half a season.
0: Uh, what players on this roster do look interesting to you as potential bargains, profit centers?
4: Well, besides uh, Phelps and Barraclough, who I talked about before, I, I covet uh, Kirsten Jelich. Um, he's a guy that for years people were saying, where's the power? But uh, he hit 15 homers after July 1st last year. Um, and if he can uh, pick back his steals, he, he stole a lot more bases in 14 and 15 than 16. Uh, you could be looking at a guy who hits 300, uh, hits 25 homers and steals 15 to 20 bases. That's pretty close to a first-round talent, and I think you'll probably be able to get him in the second round at, at, at worst and maybe even triple below that. He's the guy I really would like to get if I was going to draft a guy off the Marlins.
0: So you believe in Yellich's 21 home runs last year?
4: Uh, I think that may be an understatement. He's a guy who just found his, you know, his power stroke last year and it's going to go with it.
0: Any players on this team other than Stanton you think savvy owners should avoid as probable overplays?
4: Well, uh, avoid may be too strong a word, but I think um, JT Remoto may be somebody you want to be a little bit careful with how you um, you um, handle him in the draft. He had a 36% hit rate last year, which means that his his Real batting average was probably a bit inflated, and i don 't trust catchers to run the way he ran last year, so you could be looking at a guy who hits two hundred and sixty and doesn 't steal many bases, and suddenly that becomes a lot less enticing prospect, recognizing of course that there 's not a whole lot in the catcher pool, particularly in nL only leagues
0: The same thing is true about catchers in the American League. Uh, jason kendall stole 10 12 bags a year for a number of years in a row while catching i i don't think it's impossible that Ray muto could contribute but even five would be pretty good from the catcher slot uh,
4: that's true but it, you know people are looking at that 300 batting average and i think that's probably if he hits 275 280 i think people should be satisfied and they better not pay for much more than that
0: and finally does the team have any rookies young guys that might have an impact this year
4: well talk about a farm system that is barren um, least for the next couple of years. was one guy that you might take a look at. His name is Brian Anderson. Uh, Baseball HQ's uh, rating system gave him an 8C rating. He's a corner infielder um, who I think a lot of people like, uh, but he's only had 301 at bats at double A and, and wasn't really super. So it would take some injuries, trades, and or a A hot streak from him at Double A and Triple A to see him up this year.
0: Okay, Phil, thanks for covering the Marlins. We'll talk to you again next week with some more teams. Thanks, Patrick.
4: Looking forward to it.
0: Phil Hertz covers the Marlins as a team analyst for BaseballHQ.com, and he will be back again with more team previews next week. And that's Baseball HQ Radio for Friday, February the 10th. Thanks so much for listening to show number one of the 2017 Fantasy Baseball season, part one of our two-part team previews special. I also want to thank our guests on this edition of the podcast, BaseballHQ.com's team analysts, Rob Carroll, Matt Dodge, Rick Green, Phil Hertz, Tom Kephart, and Jock Thompson. They did a great job. I'm Patrick Davitt. I hope to see you on the BaseballHQ.com subscriber forums. Remember, you can stay in contact with Baseball HQ on Facebook and on our Twitter feed at Baseball HQ. You can also subscribe to my personal Twitter feed at Patrick Davitt and be the first to know when a new show is ready for download. More importantly, please tell your friends about Baseball HQ Radio and take a second to go to iTunes and add to our 4.8 star rating. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again next week with Part 2 of our Team Preview Special Edition. That's next time on the podcast with Fantasy Baseball Intelligence for Winners. It is Baseball HQ Radio. So long.
2: Baseball HQ Radio is a weekly free podcast available through iTunes and other podcast aggregators or directly from BaseballHQ.com where we have an archive of past shows as well. Just look for the HQ Radio microphone logo on the right side of the BaseballHQ.com homepage. Baseball HQ Radio is a production of the USA Today Sports Media Group. The opinions expressed on Baseball HQ Radio are those of the individual speaking and not necessarily those of the USA Today Sports Media Group. The program is produced and edited by Patrick Davitt.